morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Jake, and I am so excited to be up here this morning with you. I'm so excited to be able to preach this message to you. It has been over four years since I was up here on a Sunday morning to preach a sermon. I don't know what I did or said to keep me away for four years, and I don't know what I did or said to get me back up here. And I'm sure some of you out there are just wondering why I have a microphone in the first place. So it's cool. We're all wondering something. It's going to be great. We're all in this together. So we are on week six of our series on the book of Acts. And I have really been enjoying this. Every week we have a new pastor come up here and give us a message through a passage of the book of Acts. And it's been great. I've been loving it. I love hearing the voices of the different pastors. And now it's my turn. And guess what? They gave me 31 verses to preach on. Our passage comes from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 31. 31 entire verses for me to talk to you about. Fun fact, I once preached a 25-minute sermon on one verse, and it was two words long. Some of you guys were there. You remember that, right? Some, okay. Mark said, yep. So thanks, Mark. That super confidence booster right there. Clearly, it made an impact on a lot of people. So uh, I hope you brought your protein bars because we, we might be here a while. I might have to apologize to Pastor Brian, but we're going to get through this uh, together. I broke our passage down into bite-sized, well, it's probably more like fun-sized chunks because I like fun-sized better. You get a little bit more candy for each passage in there. And before I get started real quick, I wanted to ask who, uh, who remembers what we talked about last week? No, I, I'm actually asking because it says right here, I'm only supposed to preach on chapter four, verses one through 31. So if someone could remind me last week. Okay, well, it's a good thing that I actually did read it down there before I came up here and wrote some crib notes. So last week, Pastor Cheryl gave us a message about Peter and John healing a lame beggar in front of the temple called Beautiful. And it was a miraculous sign that they performed and then they preached a sermon right after that, and it was great. And then my passage comes in right after that when they get in trouble. So I don't know if that means anything about me and why I'm talking about this, but we're going to pick this up right here at verse 1. If you could take out your Bibles or phones or tablets or Palm Pilots or papyruses, whatever you have to read Scripture on, please pull it out, and we can read together starting with verse 1. It says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now, I got to admit... When I first read this to start studying for the scripture, I got really uh, scared about that number 5,000 because they preached this great sermon and 5,000 people came to believe and there's no way that I could preach a good enough sermon that 5,000 people would come to believe. Obviously, you have no doubt about that fact. So <laughs> what I did was I studied some more, which is what I'm told good preachers do from time to time, and I found out that if you look at verse 4 again, the number isn't actually 5,000 who came to believe after the sermon. It says the number grew to 5,000. So what Luke, the writer of Acts, is talking about here is he's adding to the number of people who came to believe after Pentecost. So at Pentecost, at the beginning of Acts, it says that 3,000 people came to believe. 
So if we do some really quick math, we have 5,000 minus 3,000 equals 2,000. That's right. So 5,000 really means 2,000. And that made me feel a lot better because 2,000 people is a lot less than 5,000 people. And surely I could get 2,000 people to come to believe because I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> 2,000 people after one sermon. And to make matters worse, they got arrested afterwards. I tell you right now, if a cop came and arrested me after I got done preaching, ain't no 2,000 people coming to believe because of my sermon. But that's okay. I'm not comparing myself to them. I shouldn't do that. I, I'll probably get close to 2,000. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be okay. So I want to talk about something really important that just happened in this passage. See, Peter and John are teaching in the temple, and the council members, the religious teachers of the law, they didn't like it because they were preaching the name of Jesus. So in order to basically shut them up, they decided that they would just throw them in jail. And because at the time this was evening and it was against the law to hold trial in the evening, their great idea was to throw them in the cell, to shut them up and get rid of them so they could deal with them the next day. Right? So it's kind of like when you just want your kids to get to bed so I deal with you in the morning. No? Man, I am striking out all over the place with you guys. I'm trying to relate to you. That's okay. Let's pick this up back at verse 7. This is the next day. All right? It says, they the rulers and teachers of the law, had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. That is a great verse. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Whew. I get excited every time I read that. And it gets more exciting when you think about who is saying this to the council members. This is Peter, all right? The very same Peter that less than 100 days ago denied Jesus three separate times. Not only that, but he is saying this to the very same council members, the very same religious leaders who arrested Jesus, tried Jesus, and crucified Jesus. So how did we get here? How do we get from Peter denying Jesus to Peter proclaiming Jesus? Well, I think the answer is right here in the text that we just read. Let's look at verse 8 again. It says, Then Peter, comma, filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the answer right there. That's how we got there. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you guys ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me add some clarification to this. In Scripture, there are two different kinds of filling of the Holy Spirit that it talks about. The first kind comes from when you repent of your sins. You repent of your sins, you ask forgiveness, you turn to Jesus and turn away from your sinful life and decide to make the Lord, Jesus the Lord of your life, and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells in us. And that Holy Spirit comes and guides us and helps us along that path. That's the first kind. The second kind of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the kind that Acts is talking about. 
This is the kind of spirit that's like filling your gas tank on a road trip. So you're driving on the road trip, you run out of gas. You fill back up again, you keep driving, and then on and on, you keep getting filled up again. So with that in mind, let me ask you again, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced that? Some of you have, and that's awesome. I want to do a little bit of an exercise. So go ahead and put your pens down. I know you're taking rigorous notes about what I'm saying and doing, and that's very flattering, but just stop for a moment if you could. You at home, stop what you're doing, put the muffin down, finish the bite first, that's fine, and then put the muffin down. I'm going to drink some water anyway. I'm not used to talking this much. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to close your eyes, and I want you to take a deep breath in. Nice and slow, fill your lungs until they can't be filled anymore. And then I want you to hold that breath in just for a few seconds. And then let that out. Now keep your eyes closed and do it again. Nice and deep, fill that oxygen rushing into your lungs. Filled to complete capacity like you've never filled them before. And then just hold that and feel how good that feels in your lungs that warmness in your lungs, that tingling feeling that sometimes comes in there, and then just let it go. That's how I like to pretend that the filling of the Spirit feels like. Filling you so completely, so fully, that there is no space between where the Holy Spirit ends and where you begin. Do you crave that? Do you need that filling of the Holy Spirit? I do. I need that. I need that more than the very oxygen that we just breathed in. And I pray that I would always want that. I pray that you would always want that. It's this Holy Spirit coming in and invading our personalities and releasing his power inside of us. And it's when we are filled with the Holy Spirit that we can do amazing things to further his kingdom. Things that we would never dream possible without his spirit living in us and breathing in us. Let's continue on. We're going to pick up at verse 13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. We're going to stop there and hold for a second. It says, They were amazed by the boldness of Peter and John. The boldness. I love that word there. Don't you? Boldness. The boldness of Peter and John. Now keep in mind, these guys were untrained, uneducated, no degrees, no doctorates, no training in scripture, no GEDs or diplomas or anything else, nothing. And yet here they are speaking to these council members with boldness. Look at the verse they just said back to them. This stone you rejected. That's boldness. And so we can ask the same question, where does that boldness come from? How did we get to this spot? How do we get to the place where Peter and John are so emboldened by the Spirit that they are basically preaching back to the council members that are trying them? I think the answer, again, is back in our text. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what gave them the boldness. You see, the Holy Spirit filling us is the cause, and the boldness is the effect and so Peter and John were so, so filled with the Holy Spirit and emboldened that they were able to talk like this. Well, I'm going to jump ahead real quick to verse 20. It says, 
they, they said this, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Do you hear the boldness in those words? The spirit that must be inside them when they're saying this, we cannot stop telling about it. When was the last time you were so excited about something that you couldn't stop talking about it? My son Asher is eight years old and he, <laughs> he loves Legos. We just had a birthday party last night, a birthday par party for, excuse me, a birthday party for him last night and he got more Legos so it makes me laugh. But this kid loves Legos. He's always talking about it. Anytime we go to a store, we gotta go look at the Legos. Anytime I pull up my phone, Daddy, can I look at pictures of Legos? He'll get a Lego set and he'll bring it home and he'll put it back together and then he'll take it apart again and then he'll put it back together. And he'll go from one set to the next set to the next set and the whole time the kid can't stop talking about Legos. He comes in and wakes me up 5.30 in the morning. Daddy, Daddy, can I go do my Legos? And then three hours later when I actually wake up, I go out there and he's still talking about it. Daddy, Daddy, look at my new Lego. Check out the boosters on my Lego jet. Daddy, Daddy, check out the new engine on my Lego race car. Daddy, check out my new Ninjago Red Dragon with a tiny human riding on top. Daddy, check out my Ninjago Red Dragon without the little Lego man riding on top. He can't stop talking about it. And so when I was praying and thinking about this message, I had to ask myself, do I treat the gospel that way? Am I living the way that verse 20 reads, that I cannot stop talking about it? Am I so spirit-filled that I can't stop talking about the love of Christ to anyone who will listen? Can I not let a day go by where I don't proclaim the love of Christ and the good news of his gospel? And I gotta be honest, I didn't like the answer I gave myself because I don't always feel that way. Sometimes I think it becomes too mundane and I'm ashamed to say that, and I was ashamed to think that, but sometimes it's true. What about you? Do you feel that? Are you so excited about the gospel that you can't stop talking about it? Are we as a church, as this church as a whole unit, so excited about the gospel that we just burst out of here every week proclaiming it? Put a pin in that, we're gonna come back to it. Let's pick up again at verse 15. This says, so they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Let me recap that for you in Jake's version, okay? So we have the council members, and they're sick and tired of these guys preaching the name of Jesus. So they send them out of the chamber so that they can have their little inner, inner circle meeting of the baddies over here, right? And they get together, and they're like, okay, what are we going to do? Because these guys are making us look like dummies, and we got to stop them. And so their best idea, their diabolical plan that they come up with is to threaten them not to do it or else. <laughs> or else. And that's all they had. Because here's the thing, they knew that Peter and John didn't actually do anything wrong. The only reason that they were holding them was because they didn't like that they were preaching the name of Jesus. 
And so their big bad plan was to go out there and you stop talking about it or else. But here's the thing. They were so full of themselves and so prideful, they actually thought this was going to work. They thought they could go out there and command them and that they would actually do it. So they bring him back into the chambers and they threaten him. And then obviously their plan didn't work because Peter and John are so filled with the spirit and bold that they saw right through the council members' plans, called their bluff. And look what happens. Look at how they replied. Ah, shoot, I lost my place. I apologize. Wow, I don't know what just happened. Oh, sorry, here we go. Verse 19. They replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? See, they answered, or they questioned them with something they couldn't answer because they saw their bluff. Right? Because the council members couldn't answer that. If they said yes, and everyone around is listening, then it looks like that they really do want Peter and John to obey them rather than God. And they can't do that because they're supposed to be the ones working for God. But they can't say no either, because if they say no, then Peter and John are going to go out there and keep preaching the name of Jesus, and the council members are going to lose their influence and their power and their control, and they don't want that. This was a bold move by Peter and John to call their bluff and basically call out and say, no, we're not going to stop. We cannot stop. We're going to keep teaching and preaching the name of Jesus. So that boldness is so powerful, that spirit-filled boldness. And what does this boldness look like for us? We can read about it in the text, but how does that manifest itself in our lives today? If being, if being filled with the Spirit is the cause and boldness is the effect, how does that become apparent in our lives? And I think our text is giving us three different ways in which that can happen. The first way is boldness in Scripture. Boldness in Scripture. Are you reading Scripture? Are you studying Scripture? Scripture is such a powerful tool, and it is one of the main ways that the Holy Spirit uses to instruct us and speak to us and guide us. And so I believe that if we are being filled with the Holy Spirit, then that would embolden us to study Scripture and read Scripture like we've never studied it before, but also to speak Scripture. It's not enough just to study it. We need to know it. We need to speak it out. We need to make it real for us. Look at this verse 11 again. This is what Peter replied back to the Sanhedrin at some point. He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Did you know that he's actually quoting scripture when he says this? That verse comes out of Psalm 118, 22. And Peter knew, he knew that those council members knew that verse. And here he is on trial preaching it back to them, almost kind of shoving it back in their face. You rejected them. Can you imagine that happening? You rejected them. That takes spirit-filled boldness, folks. You can't do that. You can't have that kind of boldness unless you are filled with the Spirit and emboldened and know Scripture well enough to be able to speak it out like that. The second type of boldness that I believe we can live out in our lives is boldness through prayer. 
boldness in prayer. And to see this one in action, we're going to pick up our passage back in verse 23. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. It said, as soon as they were freed, they went back to their believers, back to their church, told them what happened, and their immediate response was to pray. Prayer is an unmeasurably powerful tool, and even more so when we are spirit-filled and emboldened to do so. We, as a staff at PFN, have recently come to the conclusion, and I got permission to say this, we have come to the conclusion that we don't pray enough, that we don't pray with intention enough, that we don't pray boldly enough. And so we have decided that we are going to pray boldly and more intentionally than we ever have before. Last week, we had quarterly meetings with Pastor Cheryl. Every staff member goes in there and meets with her about once a quarter. You probably could have guessed that. But in these meetings specifically, we were requested to bring in ideas and ways that we could be praying intentionally. And we really talked about those, praying for all kinds of different things that God wants us to be doing, to be pursuing, to be active in. And it's not going to stop at the staff. We want every staff member, every person who serves here, every person who leads here, every person who volunteers here, and yes, every person who volunteers, I'm sorry, every person who attends here to pray with us. Will you commit right now? You don't have to write anything down. A nod will do. Will you commit to pray boldly and spirit-filled like you never have before, praying with intention, praying with boldness, that we could be the kind of church that Christ wants us to be, that we could be the kind of church that goes out and reaches everyone we talk to in Christ's name and spread the good news wherever we go. Will you do that? Will you do that with me and us? The third way in which boldness lives out in our lives is boldness through preaching. Boldness in preaching. And again, to see this in action, we're going to go back to the scripture. We're going to pick up at verse 29. This is the prayer that their church prayed. Remember it said as soon as they went back, they told their fellow believers what happened and they started praying. This is their prayer at verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your servant, Jesus. Great boldness in preaching their word. That's what they asked for, and I think that is amazing. Think about the state that that church is in. Two of their main members were just arrested and tried, and then they come back. How are they feeling right now? Imagine if two of our pastors, not me because I'm the good one, imagine if two, any other pastors got arrested after they got done preaching and tried. We would be pretty shook up, right? We would be really uncertain about what our future would look like. So this church in early Acts could have prayed for anything and who would have blamed them because they were probably so shook up about it. They could have said, Lord, 
hear their threats and make them stop. Lord, they're making it harder to spread the gospel. Please make it easier for us. Lord, they're taking away our constitutional rights to freely speak and preach at the temple. Please kick them out of office. But they didn't. Instead, they prayed for boldness in preaching, despite what the authorities were bringing against them, despite what they would face. All they wanted was boldness in preaching Jesus' name. And it gets better. If you picked up on this, it doesn't say that just they prayed for just the pastors or their leaders for boldness in preaching. They prayed for boldness for everyone to go out and preach the gospel, which means, yes, it's your job too, to go out and preach the gospel. Now, I'm not saying you have to stand up and give a sermon once a week at your workplace or in the park or anything. If you want to do that, cool, but you don't have to. The word preaching here just simply means reaching people for Christ with whatever means necessary. We should be talking about the gospel. We should be spreading the good news. We should be sharing the love of Christ with everyone we come into contact with. Amen? Amen. All right, we're getting close. Running low on time. I got one verse left. We made it all the way to 31. Congratulations. And this is my favorite verse of the entire passage. I'm so excited to read this together. Here it goes. Verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Yeah, amen. Isn't that amazing? I love that verse. This is the place where this story comes to a conclusion. All the pieces that we've been talking about, filled with the Spirit and boldness, come together as one piece. Let me read this again. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, then they preach the word of God with, say it with me, boldness. Can we be a church like that? Can we be a church that collectively plays, prays for the Holy Spirit to fill us as one united people so that we can go out together and reach the world for Christ? What would happen if this place shook Every Sunday, not because the worship was so great and not because some handsome young preacher came up and gave a great sermon, <laughs> but because we were so filled with the Holy Spirit to the point where we couldn't stop talking about it, so filled with the Holy Spirit that these walls felt like they were going to crumble down, so filled with the Holy Spirit that we couldn't stop talking about it. And we went out into the community every week and spread the good news to everyone and anyone we came in contact with. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church that God is calling us to be, spirit-filled and emboldened. And that's exactly what the early church in Acts was like. And if they could pray for that, and if they could do that, and God would bless them because of it, why can't we? The answer is we should be doing it. We need to be doing it. And this church in early Acts is our model for it. In response, we're going to sing a song. And I heard about this song probably about a month ago. We know it's been out for years. I don't keep up on all the new hip music. But this song, I feel like, really speaks to what we're talking about today. 
I'm going to read some of the lyrics that we can find in the bridge. And they go like this. They say, there's no heart unseen. There's no space between you and I, you and I. You are closer than the very oxygen I'm breathing in. Oh, I breathe you in. You are God with us. You are here with us. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. You are infinite. Your glory has no end. Think about that. That spirit that we've been talking about, the spirit that can fill us, has no end. It's infinite. That means that we can be filled over and over and over again. The scripture even says, filled to overflowing to the point where there's no space between where the spirit ends and we, where, where we begin. That can happen for us individually and collectively as a church. Amen. And so we're going to sing this song. That bridge that I just read to you happens two different times. The first time, I don't want you to sing it. The first time, I want you to do that breathing exercise that we did earlier. I want you to breathe in that oxygen. Feel that coming into your lungs like we did earlier. Pretend that's the Holy Spirit just filling you completely and fully. And then think about how everyone around you is being filled with that exact same never-ending spirit. Think about what that means for us as a church and how that could change our church. Then the second time we do the bridge, I want you to sing as loud as you possibly can. I don't care if you can't sing, I can't sing, I'm gonna sing, and you already know the words because I just read them to you. So you have no excuse. You're gonna sing as loudly as you can. And we are gonna come together with boldness and filling of the Spirit. Let's sing. Summary. 
spirit? Don't these walls feel like they could just fall down? Don't you feel like rushing out with that spirit filled boldness and just telling everyone all the time about Jesus? Let's pray. Oh God, oh heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the filling of your Holy Spirit, for coming down to be with us. Thank you for Emmanuel. God, we are available right now. We want to be used by you. We want to be sent by you. Give us boldness. Give us boldness in your scripture and boldness in your prayer and boldness in preaching your word. For everyone in this room, fill them up. Embolden them to go out and to speak the name of Jesus wherever they go to with whoever will listen. God, let them never stop talking about it. Because you are so good. You are so worthy. You are so infinite, God, that we can do nothing else. God, bless us this day. Amen. Go in the grace and peace of God. May he be with you. You're dismissed.